Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Think It. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome and good morning. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And of course, we are the home of common sense. We are the place where you hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We talk on a very auspicious day uh, today because there's an awful lot going on once again in the news business. The big story for me uh, is not the one that you think it is. It's not the one that you think we're going to talk about all day. No, it's not that one at all. It's a completely different one. It's the one that's all about the national strikes that are looming uh, because the RMT union yesterday voted uh, with just about over 50% of their members to strike. We don't know when, we don't know how long for, we don't know exactly what they're going to do, but what we think they're going to do is make it impossible for people to get anywhere uh, at any possible time. They're going to stop the trains from running, they're going to stop some boats from sailing, they're going to stop uh, food deliveries happening, they might cause blackouts, it could be that you won't be able to get a train after 7 o'clock or before 7 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. The Civil Service Union are going to join in. I say this is a concerted effort to bring down the government. They've tried to bring down the government uh, with the Sue Gray report, which has either arrived or not arrived Downing Street, nobody's really very sure, uh, but that hasn't worked, so now they're going to try something else. This is like going back to the 70s all over again, and for those of you who are old enough to remember it, they didn't win then either. So let's face it, uh, we were going to have to be strong, uh, we're going to have to stand up to the unions, and we're going to have to make sure that what they don't do is hold this country to ransom. 0344 499 1000. We've also got Prime Minister's questions coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Peter Cardwell will be here to talk to us about that. Baroness Fox is with us this morning. She's going to tell us what she makes of all sorts of things, including the schools bill, uh, and including, of course, the whole issue of freedom of speech, because there's a few things that have been happening since we last spoke uh, that have not been particularly encouraging. Also, of course, uh, we'll be talking to Kevin O'Sullivan. We'll be talking to William Closton, who's coming in from the Social Democratic Party. We'll take his view on how they did at local elections recently and also uh, what he thinks we should be doing about the crippling cost of living crisis. We'll also, of course, be touching upon that dreadful, awful, horrible event uh, that happened over in Texas last night uh, where 19 children were murdered by a crazed gunman. who was only 18 himself, two teachers killed as well. I simply can't imagine anything worse as a parent. Uh, to have to be told that your child has been shot dead 
uh, by somebody with a gun in school, primary school no less. 0344 499 1000 is the name of the game. That's the number you call. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it going. So, here we are, and it's time to say a very good morning uh, to Baroness Fox. Claire, how the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very nice to see you again. Now, um, people would expect us to go banging on and on and on about the Sue Gray report, but I don't want to do that because um, they can't even decide whether it's been delivered or not. You know, this is the longest-running, most ridiculous story now, I think, of all time. I I totally get that people are angry. Julie Hartley Brewer is still very upset about it, and and he's never going to let it go. But, you know, for heaven's sake, can we not just move on? Everybody knows there was a load of parties. Everybody knows that people were at them who shouldn't have been. Um, I can't imagine what's going to be in this report that's going to make any difference. Well, it's, all that's going to happen is it's like, it's, it's like salacious gossip. Yeah. We'll get a few photos. We'll get a few names. I don't think that any revelation will shock the initial revelation, which was that mock press conference. Yeah. Where actually that was the chilling moment yeah, like where you discovered one. that you suddenly thought, oh, God, they've been having parties. In- yeah. I mean, but once and they that think happened... It, and they think it's funny. Yeah, I, I, and they think it's funny. And the whole atmosphere around that. Um, but I, I, I don't think that one's going to despise them anymore or I don't think support them anymore. Or, you know, but, I mean, we right. all know what happened. Yes. And and also, we all know At the as moment, well, it's of no interest. And we all know as well that the only way that Boris Johnson is removed is if the, uh, the backbenchers and everybody in the Tory party, Westminster-wise, wants to get rid of him, and that doesn't seem to be the case. No, and it's also the case that the mood of the country, I think, is to feel that politicians of all sides are you know, letting them down. There wasn't... I mean, there was nothing so substantial happened in the local council elections. If we're going to talk to William Clouston later. It's not as though... The council elections indicated that now, because of what's happened, mm. that Boris Johnson is no more right. in favour. I mean, he, they suffered badly, the Tories. I just feel like in the scale of priorities... I mean, considering what's also going on around exactly. us, you know, we've got the looming um, energy prices. I mean, talking about people paying £2,800, they're calling that a cap, right, on energy prices. I'm sorry, I think they need to look up the definition of the word cap, because £2,800 a year is outrageously expensive for anything. I mean, it's you buy a car for that <laughs> completely. Um, I, maybe, maybe we can start with a bit of an argument because, you see, I'm quite sympathetic to the RMT. Well, I, I mean, you might I, be. I, 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 but I'm actually sympathetic. Why? I, I, I actually heard uh, um, um, uh, Eddie Dempsey, the head of the RMT, speaking this morning. And he, he made a really good point, which was to say, our, my job is to represent our union yes. members." And we want a reasonable standard of living for people. We've had a three-year freeze. We worked through the pandemic. You know, yeah, but you, can say the, you can say that, that the average... Cobblers. You can say that the average amount they get is 48,000, but a lot of them are on 24. But the reason I'm saying it is because... A lot of them are on 65. Yeah, but some of them are, but lots of them are not, right? Mm. But the reason I'm saying it is because you've just rightly pointed out something like that cap on energy. I mean, how are ordinary people meant to cope? Yeah. And I would expect... In fact, I would think it's a duty of trade unions to go, well, for our members, we're going to try and get a decent standard of living Mm. or at least enough to cope, right? Because when you listen to all the issues that the government are coming out with, all the ways they say they're going to handle things, it's never about wages. It's always about helping the poorest in society. So if you're an ordinary working person, actually, they're the people that are going to really struggle with all Mm. this because they're not going to get any of the extra help, you see what I mean? So, I mean, I'm just saying... I think that we can expect. I'm less sympathetic to the 
the uh, civil, the civil service civil drive, service, by the way. Yes. That's slightly different. Because, I mean, here's the, my problem with both of those uh, situations. One with the RMT. Yes, they worked through the pandemic, but I had a guy on yesterday who was an RMT member um, who obviously was a, either a driver or a guard or something um, who was trying to give me this, or we ran the service. I said, yeah, but it was a skeletal service because yeah. hardly anybody was using the trains. An awful lot of people were paid not to do anything, right? And for having spent two years getting paid to do nothing, I think it's pretty disingenuous to then demand more money for doing something. I think they had to go into work, and that was different. Well, not really, because we keep being told that trains are not running because no, there's I no, know, but, uh, no availability of drivers. But because I was actually, um, you know, essential work at getting the train a bit, what you'd see, it was lots of staff and yeah. not many trains. Right. Now, we might say that's mad, right? Mm. But all I'm saying is that, was the, that, if you want, was the scandal of the whole lockdown period. It was completely irrational, yes. right? I mean, they did do mad things. Yeah. I'm just but they also cancelled an awful lot of trains. So they they, didn't... they did, but the staff were all standing around the stations because they weren't all set home. They're, look, I'm not saying everyone works hard. Mm. All I'm saying is I understand that when you've got a massive cost of living crisis, I don't want ordinary people to to suffer. And if you're a trade union, that's what your job is: yeah. is to try and secure the best deal you can for your staff. And if that and was true, I might even have some sympathy for your point. However, you must also uh, admit that and quite a bit of this is going to be ideological. Quite a bit of it, as I said, is about bringing down this government because it smells to me like we're going back to the 1970s because the unions are starting to band together and they're starting to say, right, here's what we can do and we will bring this country to a standstill and then there'll be a general election they, and then we'll see how we go. Possibly, possibly. I think the 70s analogy in terms of how much people are going to suffer from from inflation and, and a recession is true. Yeah. I, I don't know... I, I actually thought, as I say, that the RMT made a good case. Mm. They actually also said no compulsory redundancies, but they said we accept that there will be redundancies. Mm. Now, that's a big step for the RMT. It's quite a radical union. And they got the support of their members. So I, it could be about bringing down the government. But as you pointed out, you know, we've now discovered that the media elite want to bring down the government too. Well, I mean, the media you know, elite... I mean, I mean, everyone else is the doing one, it, the, right? one, the one set of pictures I do want to see is uh, the members of the media who were at some of these parties because yeah. we know that they were um, and we just don't know exactly yeah. who they were. But there were certainly people there because they're all in it together yeah. at the end of the day. I, I'm simply pointing out that I support the right of trade unionists to take action. Listen, I'm, I'm very glad you said that because I wouldn't want this uh, show in any way to be one-sided. Um, but equally, right, equally, um, what we know um, is that when they talk about, you know, terms and conditions, I mean, I said to this guy yesterday, well, which terms and conditions are you not happy about? And he couldn't say. And they're turning it into the same as the argument that was held between um, the rail workers on the southwest trains line yeah, in Waterloo, yeah. when they said, oh, we don't want to get rid of the guards because the guards maintain yeah. safety, health and safety and all of that, all of which is absolute nonsense, a crock of uh, something I can't say on the radio. Basically, it's about them getting more money because whenever they're given more money, all of the other worries go away. Yeah, and I think they should get more money. Okay. That's, that's, that's my basic bottom line. Okay, well, I mean, there may be some of you out there listening to Claire Fox who don't agree with her, in which case, feel <laughs> free. that's true. Feel free to let us know. Let's talk about uh, the Lords and the Schools Bill because we've got a clip of you uh, talking in the House of Lords. Are we ready to go with that? Can we do that? Yeah, let's go uh, with that now. Oh. About the bill being a missed opportunity, and certainly as legislation often signals government priorities, it does seem a random mix of parts. But one thing this bill definitely does not prioritise is freedom or choice in education. Instead, it promises hyper centralisation, 
more regulation, more bureaucracy and more state control. So tell us about the Skills Bill. Um, um, what's wrong with it? One thing is, is that when the Conservative government, of all things, made a fuss about freeing up schools from central control, right. we had the Free School Initiative, academies were meant to give individual schools complete control over their curriculum, You know, the ability to act flexibly. This Schools Bill is now getting rid of all of that. Mm. They're forcing all academy schools to join multi-academy trusts. Multi-academy trusts are... When you, if you're at school and you join a multi-academy trust, you lose your independent legal status. So there's that going on. Right. But the thing that might be of particular interest, I think, to talk TV and talk radio viewers and listeners is that, because we followed the uh, uh, the lockdown with a certain scepticism, is that there was a to- there's a totally serious proposal to have a register of every child not in school, mm. mass data collection of not just the children but their parents threats of sanctions if they don't go to school, all this going yeah. on. And this debate happened without anyone referring, apart from me, as we said, to the fact that there might be a reason why a lot of kids haven't gone back to school or are not going to school, mm. because they had two years where the teaching unions, the government, everybody in education said going to school is not that important. No. In fact, we're closing down the schools. We're yeah. locking the, the school gates yeah. on you. And, that and was I decision, made the point it was it? a green light for truancy. Yeah. I mean, I made the yeah. point at the time, how are you ever going to look a kid in the eye and say going to school is the most important thing in your life mm. when actually we've just given them a lead and said, no, it's not yeah. really. We're prepared to close the schools under pressure from you know the opposition and the commentators and all the rest of it. The government just folded. So I, I think that when I said there... There's lack of freedom. They're going to build this huge database of kids and just and and do what with it? And 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 survey lots of surveillance going mm. on. And then there's also the homeschool movement who are very agitated mm. by this. A small number, but a growing number. I'm not particularly into homeschooling, but I get. But again, it's, it's somebody's legal, right to do. It's a legal right, yeah. and that you're meant to be able to do it without anyone in, mm. in, inspecting you or exactly. interfering. This bill is going to change all yeah. that. So I, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that we have a government that talks about freedom, but it's actually going to be incredibly uh, draconian and centralising mm. and absolutely micromanaging of every school in the country. Right. Well, we'll come back to that. We've got to stop for a moment. Claire Fox is here. We'll take your calls, of course. This is Talk TV. On DAB+, Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, we're talking to Claire Fox here about the schools bill. The thing I find extraordinary is that, you know, the schools, as you say, didn't have to actually uh, shut themselves down. They could have kept open. And I know many of them will say, oh, we did stay open for some uh, key workers' kids, and that's true. But, you know, um, they're so um, fast now to, to criticise parents who take their kids out of school for a day, maybe to take them on holiday because it's a little bit cheaper, which will be happening, I would imagine, more now than ever because the price of everything has gone through the roof. Um, and I will say, you know, as far as my children are concerned, it's like, you know, when when they have been off for as long as you kept them off when you shut the school, then we can have a conversation about attendance and what that does. But don't start criticising parents for saying that they want to take their kid out of school for the afternoon. Well, you lose the moral high ground. Yeah. And, I, and I think that the other thing that we should note is that in the course of this discussion, there was a lot of talk about it's all about safeguarding children. And the implication, well, the explicit point was any child not in school is not safe. Mm. You know, you've got to at least ask the question if they're safe or not, as though their parents are all kind of abusing them. Now, of course, there is a group of kids 
who will be under threat. But I made the point, well, you can't say that safeguarding is doing so well in school mm. and use the example of the fact that we've got, and I quoted, kids who are 13, 14, being told that it's perfectly all right to have, for example, breast binding or yeah. take puberty blockers, yeah. or that if you say you want a double mastectomy and actually mutilate your own body, yeah. well, this is okay in the name yes. of identity. And an 18-year-old pupil from one school, which we all read about, who was driven out by a bunch of bullies because mm. she had the temerity, the temerity yeah. to challenge a baroness who was speaking on behalf of Stonewall in yeah. her sixth form. And all she did was ask a question yeah. and she got driven out. And, and, and it the was school, your definition of a woman thing, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly. But, the, but the, the, the young woman herself, I mean, the 18-year-old, ended up being isolated in the library. Very distressing story. And the teaching staff effectively threw her under the bus. They didn't defend her. So th- I-, I was just making the point that there's an awful lot of double standards here. Yeah. And, I- and I do think, you know, I remember, I mean, you know the way on the lockdown, everyone now doesn't remember that they were the ones who called for a harder, mm. longer lockdown. No. So we have kind of like a- an opposition as well. I mean, I'm not letting the government off, though. But I can't stand it when the opposition say, what about the plight of the children yes. who suffered during the two mm. years of lockdown? And so I quoted Keir Starmer saying, close schools yeah. immediately now. Because he was talking as the mouthpiece of the teaching unions, wasn't yeah. he? Well, he was, but it was, whatever he was speaking on, he was speaking on behalf of the Labour Party, and they were demanding that the Conservative government, it were bad enough as it was, yeah. close all yeah. schools now. And that was post-vaccine, And then the they way. also tried to stop them from reopening, didn't they? Exactly. And they said it so, wasn't safe. So what I, I, all of the time I keep thinking, if you're a kid or you're a parent... You, when somebody looks you in the eye and, and you know and says to you schools are actually a lower order hmm. schooling doesn't matter i mean if you're a teacher you spend most of your time saying you might think coming to school is boring but yeah. let me tell you it's the most important thing you do yes. in your life whereas actually we spent a couple of years going it's not that important no. it's a bit sort of optional really and you don't really even have to worry about your exams no because, because actually just we'll give just you give you a, you a mark, mark and you'll be fine with yeah, that. Yeah, and, and don't worry about the socialising yeah. aspects of it because that's not that important I anyway. still think there's been massive damage done to I our do. children in this country I and do. we haven't even seen the half of it yet. Yeah, you they know? were abandoned yeah. by adults. I yeah. think that's atrocious. They really were. Um, speaking of the old um, trans situation and, and the business of, um, of, you know, how we should all be thinking because that's what they like to teach you now at school, as you say. It's not, not to make you think, it's to make you think what they want you to think. Um, Ricky Gervais, I see that you uh, retweeted his little uh, his oh. little skit on women, which is hilarious, isn't it? The reason why the we need Gervais more of a skit, Ricky Gervais. I think that that probably everyone will have seen it by now. But the reason why it's so good is because he actually doesn't uh, make fun of um, uh, trans people in any way whatsoever. He actually makes fun of the kind of activism that calls somebody like me. He says all those oh those kind of old fashioned women, yeah. you know, the women with wombs, right. the, <laughs> the those dinosaurs. Yeah. Quoting David Lammy, who right. used that phrase about. Yes. Um, I mean, he sort of says that, and then uh, and then he says, no, I'm in the kind of new women, the women, you know, the ones with penises, yeah, you know, and all this sort of thing. Anyway, uh. he actually all he does in one minute is quotes literally the words of identity uh, um, uh, ideologues. Yes. And um, it's very, very funny. It really is. It's hilarious. And it will. it's the way that humour can somehow do more to change things. Yes. You know, it's like one of those well, things. Well, I mean, which... I've always said that one of the greatest arguments against anything is to ridicule it, you know, yeah, because yeah. the one thing that people can't stand, is no. to, especially pompous no. people no. or people who are sort of in positions of power, you might just make fun, laugh at them. Yeah. And that, in the end, is a far funnier, a better way to deal with things. Because yeah. we are living in this world now 
now where we're supposed to think a particular thing. I don't know if you saw that story the other day about HSBC suspending a uh. banker because he had the temerity to question the climate change narrative and said maybe it's not as bad as we think or actually most of the models that they tell us are going to happen are wrong, which is true. But it was a, a brilliant speech. I mean, he spoke for 18 minutes. I watched the speech. It was very technical mm. and financial. But he was simply saying that catastrophizing was not going to help anyone. Mm. And made and what he did that was unforgivable in his world was he ridiculed those who, in a very po-faced way, mm. just up the game and over-catastrophize. And it's more of a risk and yes. more of that. And he actually said, for goodness sake, this is... Get losing, grip. getting grip. He didn't actually even challenge climate science. But as soon as I tweeted, but he oh, challenged this is a the good warnings, speech. didn't he? Ch- challenged the warnings about it. No, but he didn't. But the funny bit was, was it, it was like all of these things. Mm. There's a big fuss about it. It's actually all he did was he dared even prick a, a, a kind of hole in the whole bubble yeah. of the hyperbole around uh. it. But anyway, the main thing was I tweeted it and thought this is a good speech. Yeah. Within an hour. He'd been suspended. You know, you do think, God, you can't last right. long. Because I was he'd thinking, also, at last, something's right. happened. But he'd also shown it to the management and who, had, who, had, who had already cleared it. But obviously, some one person complains. It's like ridiculous. No, now. so what happens is, is that there's a sort of bit of bravery. Let's have a go at being rational yeah. and reasonable about this topic. And you're the guy to do it in yeah. the speech. Right. As soon as there's a reaction, the people in power panic and, you know, back off and yeah. Newton. We've seen that in... Every aspect of society, and mm. that's in politics, everywhere, there's just a panic. People in case are terrified, it gets aren't worse. they? And I think that kind of atmosphere forces people to speak in bad faith. Yeah. Just repeat and, and the know, mantras. I wonder, I wonder whether part of Boris Johnson's appeal, continued appeal, is that he doesn't really buy any of that. He doesn't really care what he says. He doesn't really care what people think of him. He wants to be popular, and we get that. But he kind of stands up against that. And I think that may be his saving grace. It's also the case that because he never speaks to script and puts mm. his foot in it all the time. Yeah. I mean, sometimes where you think, God, I can't believe you just said yeah. that. Um, you know, nonetheless, it sort of is refreshing. It is. From the kind of totally spun to the last word, everything refined, um, uh, where you just feel that you're listening to an automaton. Yeah. Well, I mean, if like you hear when... some of those people over in Davos, you know, yeah. that people have been covering it. But it really is that they are literally speaking to script. Yeah. It's not like real humans. No. They're, they're, there's buzzwords, no. they're saying things, they, they don't come out. You'd never want to go for a drink with them. No. You don't feel as though you could talk politics with them. I mean, it's fine that they've got a different opinion on the future of the world, yeah. but you don't feel as though they'd be interested in engaging in a conversation oh, no. with that. Because they're not interested in anybody else's opinion if it's different no, to no, theirs. exactly. It's an imposition right. of a worldview on the rest of us. I mean, the greatest thing uh, that I can see ever happening in the, in, in the world of politics is getting a Labour politician on and asking them what a woman is. And they can't do it. Yeah. And watching them squirm is hilarious. But it's also the case that you get somebody like Wes Streeting who actually doesn't avoid that He actually question. did do it, yeah. No, he, and and the, reason the, I'm, the reason I'm saying it, though, is because he then stands out and we're all congratulating him. Mm. I mean, it's a ridiculous scenario where in order to prove that you're a normal human being right. that understands the world and that actually you might have some interest in the odd women's vote for right. a start-off, you have to say something like that and then we all think you're a hero.
I know, smashing, isn't it? Unbelievable. Well, listen, Claire, as ever, fascinating stuff. Uh, Baroness Claire Fox of Buckley uh, will be back, of course, another time uh, to talk some more. Uh, but have a look at the schools built. If you, are, if you are a parent, uh, you might want to take some interest in what it is that they're trying to push through. And you might want to have a word with one of your MPs or something, uh, or even your school, to see what's going on. Uh, 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we'll take your calls coming up on Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. William Clouston is here from the SDP. We'll be talking to him very shortly about how those guys did in the local elections and much else besides, possibly uh, the cost of living crisis and how they would put it right. Uh, let's talk first, though, to Peter Cardwell, who is our political editor, of course, here at Talk TV. Um, we're going to be uh, doing Prime Minister's questions a little bit later on, Peter, but I just thought we'd better get to grips with what's actually happening in Downing Street. Uh, the Sue Gray report arrived, then somebody said it hadn't arrived. Uh, my argument was that it couldn't have arrived because it could never have left before it arrived because was it not produced by somebody who was down a tunnel somewhere that could have just walked in with it yeah, that's, a, that's a very good point mike all good points uh but uh we it has been confirmed now by the cabinet office and indeed by number 10 that the sue gray report has arrived with boris johnson what the thing we're all waiting for is it for it to drop on the gov.uk website which right. i'm refreshing approximately every three seconds uh, and as soon as soon as that uh, as soon as that report drops we will bring you well i'm obviously gonna have to read it first but uh, we'll bring you as much detail as possible so we'll, we'll it, i would imagine that will probably happen before prime minister's questions right. then there'll be prime minister's questions at 12 i'll be in the studio with you for that and then we expect boris johnson to make a statement immediately afterwards uh, so we can kind of put that off during prime minister's questions and say wait for the statement right. uh, so i would imagine that will be then at 12 30 or 12 40 okay. around that time uh, so, press conference as well. Okay, so is is the protocol then that the, the the report is first seen by him? Does he get to read it first before it goes up on the website? Yes, although I would imagine the demands from journalists and others for it to be on the website as soon as possible will be there. But the prime minister will have probably a half an hour, forty minutes to read through it. We don't know how long it is. We don't know how detailed it is. I would imagine it's at least fifty pages. There's lots to look through. There may be photographs in it as well so we'll wait and see yeah. what is there but we will have it very soon I would imagine and probably before 12 o'clock perhaps he'll look upon it as, 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 as we all do when we get one of those nice photo albums you know from from Shutterfly and you go oh that was that nice holiday we had in Mexico yeah in, you know, last so many night. memories yeah. so many parties oh look I remember that I don't remember, didn't remember that one you know oh that's a good picture who's that Oh, yeah, that's that bloke from the time. No, no, sorry, better not say that. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see you. All right, Peter, we'll see you later. Thank you very much indeed. Peter Cardwell reporting in uh, from Downing Street there. Uh, the report is apparently there. Uh, to be honest, I don't really care anymore. I've li- they've literally worn me out. William Clouston is here with me. Uh, do you care? I think, well, we'll learn nothing from it. No, right? So they Excellent. broke the rules. Everyone knows they broke the rules. Quite a lot of other people did. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on now. Yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about the Social Democrats, because uh, mm. you guys did quite well. Uh, Rod Little was telling me this, yeah. uh, which is why I know it. You did quite well in the local elections. What happened? Yeah, we got a, we got a, one of our target seats. This is a big city seat in Leeds. Mm. Uh, the Labour, it's always been Labour, and they, they don't want to give them up easily. Mm. And we targeted it. It's taken a few years to do it, but we did it. But we didn't just do it. It's Middleton Park. It's, yeah. 30, it's quite a big seat. 30,000 people now yeah. have a, an excellent new SDP councillor, Wayne Dixon. And, but we didn't do it just by creeping over the line, you know, we smashed it. Really? It was a landslide. We got more votes than the Greens, Lib Dems, Tories and Labour put together. Wow. Yeah. And do you put that down to good campaigning or, or what? Yeah, we, we've... He's a great candidate for a start, but we yeah, very, very good campaign this time. We're a small party. We can't do that everywhere at mm. the moment, but we, we put a lot of effort into it and it was a very targeted campaign. But it wasn't just that, Mike. It was also belief. 
the moment, I mean, you, you know, in the, in the red, well, not just in the red wall, in the, in the, all over the country, you've got these safe seats. Yeah. And people don't think that challenger parties can win. The, I think, particularly in the last week, the, 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 the public got a hold of the fact that the SDP could actually take this seat. Yeah. Labour didn't believe they could. We heard Labour people say, you know, you could slap people in the face and they'd still vote Labour mm. in Middleton. But they, you know, actually... But see, Labour have made that mistake yeah. in, in a lot of places, particularly in Scotland. They yeah. thought they had Scotland for the rest of time, and now look yeah. what's happened. No, it's utter complacency. Yeah. And they also, you know, have quite a lot, quite a lot of, la- you know, lazy, frankly, lazy uh, councillors. Well, they actually do any work. Mm. Uh, they have councillors that aren't, bo- aren't from the area. They, they're, they're not even, many of them don't even live there. Right. So, no, all those factors were important, but it was belief in the end. It, you could feel it that the final week, people thought, hold on, we've actually got a chance here. Yeah. And the moment people think we can win, it becomes an avalanche, you know. Yes. So it was very encouraging, very okay. encouraging indeed. And as far as what you and I talk about quite a lot of the time, which yeah. is people, particularly now, and particularly with Partygate and all the rest of it, and, mm. and, and Keir Starmer's beer game, people are so fed mm. up with the two-party system. Yeah. But they find quite often that they haven't really got an yeah. alternative. Maybe this will show them that, that there could be one. Yeah, they have. I mean, it, it was also... we. I mean, largely, the people in Middleton Park, we share their values. They're patriotic. They want, to, they, they want a big state, but they want a competent state. Mm. They want a state that, uh, you know, maybe builds a few houses... Uh, and you know has a good transport system and so on that's the bread and butter yeah. issues um and you know they know what a woman is they, i think it's taken a bit of time actually for labor's uh position on culture to sort of filter through and you know, people in the end sniff the air and think actually these people don't represent us no why vote labor and that's that's happened yes uh we're going to fight harder Might and the tories will always have their same sort of you know systemic problems if you like in terms of whether they appeal to everybody or not and they did appeal to an awful lot of people yeah uh, in, the, in those red wall seats because of brexit they did but they've got to keep that going yeah but they, it's really awkward i mean it, you almost feel sorry for the tories on this they 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 got all those, carried away <laughs> they, they got all those red wall seats but they don't again they're not the right holders of them right. my party is we're very small you can't just click your fingers and do it but it, i've said before on, on your show if you did a blind tasting the red wall we'd win it yeah there's no and doubt what is about it that, that, that they're not doing that then for those people that they should be doing uh they don't the trouble is it's 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 they don't the tories don't really get uh it was all i mean they got those seats on the on the brexit vision right yeah. uh but the tories brexit vision the one they won uh the vote on uh was a sort of unilateral free trade you know let's have more of the same yeah. well actually in the red wall people don't want that most yeah. of those towns are post-industrial they want a government that's a little bit interventionist mm. you might say a little bit more trumpian mm. on economics let's let's build the factories let's have a little bit of trade friction let's fight for it the only people that really are arguing for unilateral free trade now must be in the pay of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we found out only this week, uh, we had somebody in talking about the connections between the NHS and China, and yeah. that we're paying £600 million a week to China Nuts. for all sorts of um, equipment and, mm. and masks and all mm. sorts of other things, which, which we could quite easily manufacture here yeah. if we wanted to and if we had the will to. And surely for that kind of money, it's always the you, will. Could, you could surely invest that money in building a business, yeah, it's a, and employ people. Yeah, I mean, remember the foundation of society in the Red Wall. The, the whole of society, so the towns, the foundation of it was the industrial wage. Yeah, the industrial job was the foundation. The ability family. to earn a good wage yeah. and doing a decent job. And you used to be able to run a family. Sixties and seventies yeah. used to be able to run a family on one wage. You can't right. do it anymore. So people are pressed. As I say, they've inherited these. There are some good. I'm not not. I'm not knocking all the Red Wall Tory uh, MPs. Some of them very good, as mm. you know. Some of them very very good. Yeah. But actually, they have to fight a sort of internal battle in the Tory party for its heart and soul and 
and I, it's not a good fit with the core free trader sort of uh, liberal economics Tory, yeah. which who still dominate actually. So I don't know what will happen. I mean, they they'll struggle. They'll I think the they'll hold the bet the better MPs will probably hold their seats, mm. but they'll lose a few. Yeah, next election. Oh, I think they will. And we're going to talk about. I'm going to ask you to stay for a bit, a little bit longer after the break because we need to talk about the cost of living. We're told that Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak are going to announce some kind of cost of living package. Mm. But I mean, for me. Unless they're going to reduce taxes. Mm. uh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They're going to force people like oil companies and petrol mm. companies to reduce the cost of their um, their business, mm. uh, the cost of what they're selling to us. Nothing else is going to work, is it? Well, what you get from the stories is headlines and retail politics and tinkering. Mm. So you, you get, you know, you'll get a headline here, you'll get a new scheme, you know, here and there. Uh, to do some heavy lifting on the cost of living, they have to look at universal credit. Really, mm. that's they have. To, I mean, they'd have to reverse the cuts. Yeah, uh, and it's urgent. Actually, they should do that. They really should. Yeah. William, um, we'll keep talking to you. We've got much to say, and um, plenty of time to do it in as well. We'll take some of your calls to oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand because, uh, as we heard yesterday, the energy cap now goes to twenty eight hundred pounds, two thousand eight hundred pounds uh, a year, which is an awful lot of money. We're talking more than two hundred pounds a month. Um, and that simply is not surely sustainable for most people. You can't pay that in terms of what your energy costs. It's just ridiculous. But we'll take your calls as well. 03444991000. We're going to talk about the RMT uh, and the strike that's coming as well. This is Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Wearing glasses can make you look intelligent. That's right. But not in William's case. Oh, sorry, what? William knows pi to 30 decimal places, yeah. He knows the whole of Hamlet's soliloquy and he knows how to rebuild a car engine. It's true. <laughs> but he didn't know that stylish, well-made glasses start from £19 at Specsavers. So his expensive glasses that he bought elsewhere just make him look a little bit daft. Oh, dear. Complete single-vision glasses from £19 at Specsavers. You know you should. <laughs> Communities all over the country are getting together to celebrate the Platinum Jubilee. It promises to be a right national knees-up. Events like Clean Up Queen Christine's Big Lunch in Salford, Just Ride Southend's Ride and Picnic, and Noreen's Feed Me Good Party in London. All supported in no small part by another great community, the National Lottery Players. Have a great time, everybody. The National Lottery. Your numbers make amazing happen. Rules and procedures apply. Players must be 18 or over. Sometimes there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. Getting an extra cold milkshake straight to your door on an extra hot day, a Big Mac on a big night in, or a quarter pounder with cheese without missing any of the footy. There's nothing quite like munching McNuggets without heading out in the rain, or enjoying fries at home on a Friday. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. Order now on the My McDonald's app or via Uber Eats and Just Eat. Participating in restaurants only. Serving times and delivery fees apply. Service charge may apply. See the My McDonald's app, Uber Eats, or Just Eat for full details. It's a midday masterpiece. Bread and mayonnaise in perfect harmony. Poetry in May Ocean. It's a Heinz sandwich. 
A Heinz sandwich can be a bat bun, barn, cob roll or whatever else you call them, but only in conjunction with Heinz Seriously Good Mayo. Failure to use Heinz Seriously Good Mayo may lead to lunchtime letdown. Your way from driveway to motorway. Talk radio, travel update. Cheshire pothole repairs affecting the M53 North as you leave the motorway at Junction 10 for Little Stanny, where one lane is closed. There's a queue from Birmingham on the M5 north to the M6 at Junction 8, where there's a broken down lorry across two of the lanes. Delays M62 east towards Hull, approaching 37 at Howden, down to one lane here for bridge repairs. Delays Bristol in the Brislington area, where the A4 Bath Road has been closed into town all morning towards Kensington Park Road. I'm Sarah Elliott. Hi everyone, Jamie Oliver here. We all know it can be healthier to eat your veg. That's why I've created a delicious veggie curry in partnership with Tesco and WWF. Discover my veg pack recipe on Tesco Real Food, filled with spring greens, chickpeas and sweet potato. Tesco, every little helps. The veggie curry recipe is a source of protein which contributes to the maintenance of muscle mass as part of a varied and balanced diet and healthy lifestyles. To find out more on the WWF partnership, see tesco.com slash better-baskets for details. Talk radio. Bish bosh berserk. Lively debate. Now with zero percent drift and dither. Always read the label. A roadmap for the future of debate. Talk radio. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. William Clouston is here, uh, and we're going to continue talking about the cost of living crisis. But before that, I just wanted to mention um, that awful story from America, Rob Elementary School, where children as young as 7 to 10 were murdered. Um, 19 children were shot and killed by a gunman, who himself was only 18. And as a dad, I just wanted to say that it's probably the worst possible thing that you could ever wake up to. This morning, I was so sad when I heard the news. And I've been looking on social media this morning, and there's all sorts of pictures of kids like Javier Lopez, age 10, who was a fourth grader um, in the elementary school. And I, I just don't know what to say, really. But I feel like I have to say something, because... I'm not going to crusade about gun laws in America. It's not for me to do that. I'm not going to crusade for, I don't know, the death penalty for people. He's already been killed by the police anyway. I just wanted to share with you, um, because if you're a parent this morning, you just must be in bits thinking about these children. It's really horrible, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to get that out. William, um, you've got kids. I mean, it's just awful, isn't it? It's heartrending. Absolutely heartrending. It's the, the worst news you could wake up to yeah. and your heart goes out to them. I mean, you can't imagine as a parent, you know, I've got four children, I, getting that phone call. No, you're, I mean, those parents, in a sense, your life's over, you know, you could, you'd never be the same again. You could it's never just, live again, really, no, 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 with any no, kind of, you could never a, have anything in your life absolutely anymore. Absolutely horrific, absolutely horrific. Just awful, Tragic. just horrendous. Anyway, look, I, I, I feel for, obviously, the families and, and anybody who's involved in it, and it's just... You just, I mean, again, because Sandy Hook was a while ago, mm. you sort of forget about it. But it just keeps happening as well, doesn't it? Just awful. Let's have a listen to what President Joe Biden said. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency they happen in America. Why? Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone? have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies. It's a time to turn this pain into action. To be fair, politicians in America have been saying that for a long time, but nothing ever changes. There's more guns than people. 
I know. It's tragic. It's good. And you know what's really weird? Whenever there is an incident like this, gun sales go up. No, it's, it's, People buy more guns. I know. No, it's so it's, there's no. I, I'm quite gloomy about it. Mm, it's yeah. awful, awful. I mean, when my children were growing up um, in America for part of their childhood, mm. you know, it used mm. to worry me. My daughter um, went to the college, one of the colleges where there was a shooting incident. Mm. Uh, where a load of people were killed, she wasn't actually there at the time, mm. but you know, it was she had been there the year before. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, and it's and it's that close, you I, know. Yeah, my eldest, our eldest, lived in Philly, yeah. and then lived in New York for a few years. Yeah, heard gunshots. Yeah, just okay. horrendous. Let's talk a bit more about what you said before the break there about universal <clears throat> credit. Um, mm. What makes what makes you say that that's the only thing that will help exactly for people? I just I'm I'm not into gimmicks, Mike. I think if you're going to do something sense, if you're going to do something serious, you have to press the button, yeah. and I think they have to do it. Um, I'm not so fussed. Universal credit is the obvious uh, route because it's targeted already, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what I would do. Um, I'm not so fussed about. Again, there's a lot of talk about uh, windfall taxes and things. They don't have to do that. Mm. This is the government that uh, you know ran a basically a public sector borrowing requirements of. Four hundred and fifty billion right. on, on COVID, so yeah. uh, it's not necessary to do a windfall. I'm tax. not and sure that, a windfall tax is any good anyway, because the <clears> one <throat> worry I would have about that is, like the um, the, the the national insurance rise. Mm. How do we know where they're putting that money, and how do you know that if you get the windfall tax into the treasury, that it goes out to help ordinary people? Well, you can't hypothecate it. So you it's, can't. It's, it's, it's just retail politics. Let's yeah. wake up. So you know, they don't need to do that. Mm. They're going to run a, a another big deficit this year because of what's happened. They have, mm. You know, there's no choice. My big criticism of the not just the Tories but the entire British political establishment is that we're reaping uh, hostility to planning. So mm. we. For, you know, 20 or 30 years, we have failed to plan anything properly. Yeah. So let's look at the big things, right? In a household budget, up to 30%, 33% in some categories goes on housing. Mm. And it's not socially useful to have very, very expensive rents, very expensive house prices. It's just not useful. Right. Uh, and that's a product of, of public sector housing being taken off the table, effectively. And mm. we've talked, you and I have talked on this show about the difficulty kids have in, in getting a, a flat or, yeah. or a house to raise a family in mm. the city. You can't do it. And it's a product of not planning. They will not plan. They've been warned and they've, they've been told they will not plan. They've got an aversion to it. So that's housing. It's just not you know, not helpful. And they can't solve it overnight. It would take a long time. Energy is exactly the same. Mm. Exactly the same. So it goes all the way back to Tony Blair's time. You know, Instead of doing something sensible like the French, get a sensible, well-funded nuclear power program. Yeah. He went to war with Iraq. Mm. Terrible decision. Could have done something better. He didn't do it. Uh, you know, nuclear power, you don't get wild fluctuations in energy prices. It's very stable. Yeah. It's done over 60 it's years. It's also in your own place. It's in Britain, Balance as opposed payment. to being reliant on either Qatar or Russia or wherever. Yeah. You know? This is the, again, the sort of airhead attitude that you've had is that it doesn't matter. They're indifferent to these things. We wrote a green paper called mm. The End of Indifference. It's right. got to be, we've got to stop this. They don't mind importing. As you say, gas, right. you know, from from anywhere, they're they're not concerned about the balance of payments. Thirty, actually, fifty years ago, politicians talked about it, and they had the the means, they had the vocabulary to talk mm. about it. They just don't talk about no. it now. Uh, yeah, and it's insane, absolutely insane. We should have had this. We the sooner they can get 
nuclear power, British nuclear power, mm. back up and running, reinvested the better. But you can't do it overnight. Well, they say it's going to be 10 years to build uh, one nuclear power station. Be. Now, I don't see them starting yet. I haven't seen no. where they're starting to build them because they need to start building them like today. Don't Even they? the small ones. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the, the little micro Rolls yeah, Royce yeah, yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it'll take a lot of time. But again, until you get a political class that understands that you've got a plan, you actually have to plan things. Yeah. Uh, it won't change, Mike. No, and, because and it's this little reputation politics, isn't it? They're all doing this because they want mm. to say, "Oh yeah, but look, we didn't. We stopped all the fossil fuels in Britain. It's not a problem if we buy in from somewhere else." Well, it is a problem, it and and, that, and that's where we are because all of the prices that we're now seeing and much of the inflation mm. that we're seeing was already going on mm. long before uh, anything happened in Ukraine. You yeah, know, they're no, sort you, of using Ukraine as an excuse for everything. You now. reap what you sow, Mike. You reap what you sow. And yeah. There was never any logic uh, to import uh, energy if you had it under under your own ground, for no. sure. That, that well, we also did. We not? I, don't, I think it was under was it under Blair or was it under Cameron? We got rid of those storage tanks underneath the North Sea, Cameron. which which used to keep gas short termism. And now we don't yeah. have them, no, so it's, it's we haven't crazy. got the gas. No, it's it's not a good idea. I mean, you, and as I say, you've got to have a cultural thing. What frustrates me about it politically is that. Uh, people say you, they can't do it. That's nonsense. Yeah. You know, you know what proves it's nonsense. When the government want to spend something, four hundred fifty billion on the pandemic, they'll do it. Yeah. When I when I ask for a little bit of money on housing or railways or or energy, no, we can't do that. Let's, let's not do that. So it's it's just a matter of will, and it, it's the same as the migrant crisis. You know, if you you have eighty seat majority, mm. Tory majority, they could solve it if they wanted to. They don't want to. And, and the public need to know that. Well, the thing is, they could have solved it if the Rwanda... I thought the Rwanda idea actually was quite a good one. Mm. Um, but they're not doing it. No, it, it'll only work. I mean, that, again, It will work the, if they do it. That's the, What irritates me about the Tories is that they've got their headline. They, they've got their headline, and then it won't work, and it'll be even worse. By the next election, that can't possibly work. That scheme can't work unless you pick every single person that arrives mm. uh, unsolicited. They ha- all of them have to be processed every single one and yeah. it won't the the incentives won't change until you do that it's quite obvious right be- obviously what happens is you take them from wherever it is they land mm. t- put them on a bus take them to an airport fly them to Rwanda that's Straight the away. end yeah that's it no, unless, it? Unless and then it'll work like yeah, I mean, I, and actually you know we have a, a policy of offshore uh, processing as well but but we do it in a British overseas territory I think you I wouldn't fetter your policy to Rwanda yeah I mean I think Kagami's pretty strong I don't think he'll lose an election funny enough but uh, if he did you know, there's an election in a couple of years' time, policy changes, you lose it. Right. Much better if you do uh, Ascension Island or something like that. But the point is, I've made it many times before, you would not have to uh, build a, a large reception centre because as soon as you transport people, mm. the flow would stop. Of course it would. And that's exactly what they need to do. It seems incredible to me that they're, they're not going to do it. Right. So what's the next uh, move for the SDP then as far as how well, you take these successes forward? We, we're just plugging away. I, I've never... I mean, one of the things... It might, it might be boring this, Mike. There aren't any... There really aren't any overnight uh, successes. I mean, the overnight success in Leeds took us a few years. Yeah. And it, so we will plug away. We will continue publishing sensible policy, building regional parties, contesting local elections. We're a proper political party. You remember you get, you know, you get proper democratic rights in our party. And uh, we'll continue. I mean, we are planning for the next election, which will be here probably in less than two years' time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've been chatting to, to reform. We get on very well with them. We've cooperated with them on some big elections. South Yorkshire Merrill, they backed us on that. We're backing them uh, in Wakefield. So, no, we'll, um, we'll go for it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Claire Fox was in just before you talking about mm. uh, uh, trade unions and their right to yeah. strike and their right to do whatever it is that they, mm. uh, they do. How do you see this RMT thing panning out? Because it looks to me as though yeah. there's an awful lot of sort of chest beating. Uh, it might not be as bad as they say it will be, but mm. it could be. 
and it could be crippling to this country. And I wonder if if the civil service union and the RMT and maybe a couple of others mm. decide to again band together and kind of have a little trip back to the seventies. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, it's all about bringing the government down, isn't it? High inflation. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. To be fair to, to the RMT, I think the. I mean, they. You know. They haven't had a pay rise in a few years, and they're, they're doing their job, aren't they, the RMT? They're doing, you know, what they're Well, they're doing they're their job and... as far as trying to get a pay rise, yes. But yeah. I don't think threatening, you know, to bring mm. the country to a standstill mm. is necessarily the way to do it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think we'll wait and see. I think, I think it, there is a lot of negotiation going on in public here. Yes. I think, so they've got to, I think, to ask people to have no pay rise at all in, in two or three years when you've got 10% inflation, I think they're asking for seven, aren't they? So... Probably a reasonable offer. I would, I, I would get bang their heads together. But yeah. you, actually, our, our rail network is in peril now because well, it's hopeless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't a lot work. Of commuting. Yeah, but a lot of commuters aren't coming into. I mean, town. you probably use railways more than I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, and you live, you you loop, use them in a part of the country where they don't really go anywhere. Well, they go. You can go up and down. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah you don't go, go side to side. No, no, no. And that's why you know HS2 is a terrible, terrible scheme. Uh, and yet they've it. opened Crossrail. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I don't think really anybody needs. Yeah, but they need to hold it together. I mean, there's this lag from the pandemic, so we've lost a lot of patronage, railway patronage. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think we're up to eighty percent on the intercity lines now, which is good. They just need to hold it together. I'd, I'd urge the government to try and come to terms. We don't want to strike. We, no one wants to strike. Nobody wants to strike. But, I mean, whether the government take the view that uh, they don't want to kind of ideologically give in to them, which you can see them doing, because they don't get an awful lot right in the first instance. Yeah. No. So I worry that there might well be... Uh, although we don't have to worry about the strike, because London's going to be brought to a standstill by a load of cyclists on Sunday, apparently. Ride go. London. Closing all the bridges. What a great idea. Apparently most of Essex <laughs> is going to be shut down as well. William Cluston, great to see you. Thank you very much great indeed. We will back. see you again soon. Uh, we'll take your calls, of course, coming up. But next, we're going to talk to the RMT and see what they're up to. Uh, this is, of course, uh, Talk TV. 0344-499-1000 is the number. You know what to do. We'll hear from you coming next fast talk street talk mike graham fighting the good fight with all his might providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people solid talk i'll talk the independent republic of mike graham see it hear it think it talk radio and talk tv Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got lots to do. We've got plenty of time to do it in. Loads of you want to speak to me. We will get you all on. Uh, You know the number 0344 499 1000 uh, is the big number that you need. We've got Prime Minister's questions going on. Uh, We're supposedly going to get the release of the Sue Gray report at some point this morning. We don't know yet. As soon as we get it, uh, we'll tell you what's in it. Uh, Supposedly, every single media outlet is absolutely chock full of maniacs who can't wait to tell you how terrible it all was in Downing Street. I'm not one of them, to be honest, because um, I'm just a bit bored with it all, really. Look, I know they shouldn't have done it. I know they were wrong. Uh, they should have uh, been behaving in a way which was part far more conducive uh, to actually convincing us that they believed their own rules when they clearly didn't. Uh, but that's all in the past. Let's move on. Let's talk about the cost of living crisis. Let's talk about the cost of fuel. Let's talk about 2,800 quid that ordinary people are going to be paying for their energy every single year, minimum. That's 200 quid a month. It's an awful lot of money. We're going to talk also to the RMT, Eddie Dempsey, a senior assistant general secretary uh, at the union. He's going to tell us why they think that they might have to go on strike because they want better paying conditions. Uh, I'll find out exactly what it is they don't like about the job they're doing and exactly why they think at this particular time uh, they should threaten to go on strike and bring the country to a standstill. 0344 499 1000. Claire Fox was on earlier. Uh, She was defending what they were doing, saying, you know, they're only doing 
what they should do, which is to represent their members. And maybe she has a point. 0344 499 is the number. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Let's say a very good morning to Eddie Dempsey. Eddie, hi, how are you doing? Morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thanks for coming on. I mean, um, I was talking to Claire Fox this morning and she was being very sort of um, helpful, really, to you guys, saying, look, you know, these guys are only doing what their members want them to do. They want more money. They probably deserve it. Um, But do you really have to threaten to go on strike? Well, it's been a long time brewing, Mike. Our members are in the third year of a pay freeze now. And really, this uh, ballot result is a challenge from our members to us and the industry to find a settlement on pay, which they're demanding, and also on job security, which is their number one priority. If you don't have a job, you can't really have better pay, can you? Well, you can't. But, I mean, the the, the view, generally speaking, I know you don't just represent rail workers, but an awful lot of your union union members are rail workers. I mean, the railways at the moment are in a hell of a state, aren't they? Well, they are. We're recovering from the pandemic moment. And, you know, we do recognise the government paid an awful lot of money into the industry to keep it going. But I have to tell you, Mike, a lot of that money went straight through the industry and into Luxembourg and the Cayman Islands and to the parent companies of some of the private operators in the rail industry. In fact, almost half of the total ticket fares taken in the worst pandemic year, equivalent sums, went straight through the industry and into offshore accounts. So, you know, we want a deal that's got value for the taxpayer. But we have to recognise the cost of living crisis is here. Our members are demanding of us, their organisation, to get them a settlement on pay and to give them some job security. And we've got to answer that demand. That is our job. Uh, We'd much rather get around the table and make a settlement in the next couple of days. And we're hopeful that this moment, we haven't named strike action at this point, will give us the opportunity to get the government and the industry side around the table with us and the other trade unions in, in the rail industry and it's fresher deal out. It gives people what they need. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Because an yeah. awful lot of the um, of the pandemic was used by many people uh, to not actually do any work. And I'm not blaming people for being sent yeah. home. But, I mean, there were a lot of people probably in the RMT who were getting paid furlough money not to go to work. And, and some people think that that's a bit rich now to come back and go, well we, well, we didn't do that much for a couple of years, but now we want more money. Well, it was a different, it was a different setup in the rail industry. So even people who did get furlough, um, weren't sitting at home for the whole pandemic, certainly not our members. We represent the frontline workers and operational people. Uh, so they, in some places, were rotating, but most of our members worked right away throughout the pandemic, as I did. Mm. Um, and a lot Me of those too. people worked even more, particularly out on the infrastructure side, maintaining and inspecting and looking after the infrastructure. They worked even more than normal. Right. And who have you got to talk to about all this? Is it Grant Shapps? Well, we think so. So prior think to... So. <laughs> we, we, we think we, we think so. And there, there is a reason I say that. Previously, the train operating companies in Network Rail had a lot more free reign to bargain openly with us and we would reach a settlement with them uh, without much interference. We had what was called free collective bargaining. At the moment, and you'll note that we're only in dispute with the parts of the rail industry that are controlled by the DFT. And this is because the government is taking a much more direct hand in, in what happens in these negotiations. So we think we've got to get everybody together, including the government, and we've got to reach a compromise here that gives people a settlement as fair to the taxpayer, but fair to our members. No, I get that. Um, but there is a sense, and particularly when today we saw the civil service yeah. union saying they might come out sort of in sympathy, they quite fancy a bit of a strike as well. I mean, you don't look as if you're old enough to remember the 70s, but I do. Uh, and there was a very much an ideological sort of battle going on between yeah. the unions and, and the Tory government. Are mm. you sure this is not what you're kind of... Um, tilting at no, no look we're, we're a bit of an outlier in the trade union movement if you like we're not affiliated to the Labour Party we campaign Thank God for, for that 
We campaigned to leave the European Union, which was a bit of an anomaly in the trade union movement. Yeah. We're quite independent-minded, and so are our members. And this is purely driven by the cost of living crisis. So we, we bore pay freezes during the pandemic when we were trying to keep the country going and inflation was low. But now we've come out of it and people are seeing their energy prices go through the roof, uh, prices in general go through the roof, and it don't look like it's coming down anytime soon. They're rightly demanding of the organisation, us, they pay their money to, to go and get a settlement from the industry. And that is what we've got to do. Mm. So this mandate is huge. I mean, yeah. this is the biggest ballot result we've had. It's certainly in my time in a trade union. And it's really a challenge to us in the trade unions and the industry to get this right. No, sure. I mean, quite often I've in the past been uh, known to uh, make fun of trade union votes and ballots because quite often they'll take the view of sort of half of them are members. But you've actually had a reasonably good turnout, haven't you? 89% uh, of those who, who did ballot. Um, yeah. uh, 89% voted in favour of strike action, only 11 voted against. Um, and you actually, so it's, it's more than 50% of the, of the union uh, actually who voted to the, in this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nearly 30,000 workers, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a good number. And also, I still share your view about the uh, the ridiculous kind of skimming off of profits by these mm. by these rail companies who are, to a large extent, subsubsidised by us. I don't think they should yeah, be allowed yeah, well, to. I, mean, I don't think they should be allowed to do that. Well, no. Well, what we've got a situation of is that the government indemnifies these companies for all risk. It's a license to print money. They can't lose. Um, and they also pay all the risk in terms of if they do fall into an industrial dispute, well, they're standing behind them ready to pay for any losses. Yeah. So we're in a bit of an odd situation. We'd rather not be here doing this. Um, this is a huge, a huge situation to be in. But our members demand of us that we make a settlement with industry on these issues. Yeah. And we're not crazy. We haven't said we're demanding 15, 20% pay rises. We're just saying we need a pay rise. And we're happy to negotiate around that. We're not saying we can't have any change or losses of uh, jobs in the industry in total. We're just saying that's got to be managed and negotiated. Yeah. We don't think that's unreasonable. No, I don't think it is. But an awful lot of the negotiation process is about things that you don't really want and you don't really care about, but you just yeah. make out that you do, right? Because, for example, yeah. we've seen that with Southwest Trains before, an whole issue of guards, and mm. it became a health and safety issue for a while. But then when more money was made available, suddenly it wasn't mm. a health and safety issue. So how far are you prepared to go, as it were, um, to get what you want? Well, look, there are there are safety issues here. So one of the one of the uh, cost driven plans is to reduce maintenance in infrastructure, planned maintenance issues by fifty percent. Now, there's a lot of changes in the type of intelligent assets we deploy in a railway. That probably does mean you can reduce some of the inspection regimes. That's true, uh, but we do know there are plans to make this drastic level of cuts to maintenance are driven by costs, and it's never a good place to start with safety, when you go, well, here's the bottom line, let's deliver a safety regime aimed at a particular number rather than aiming at making the railway the safest it can be. So we have got some disagreements here um, about safety too. Yes, but I mean, it's, I mean, one thing you can say about our railways, which there are not many positives that you can say, it's pretty safe right now, isn't it? Well, it is. We want to keep it that way. <laughs> that's, the, that, that's important to us. But I mean, at the bottom of this, I've got to tell you, the number one issue for our members is job security. Uh, and that's, that's hugely important. Um, so the railways are going through a period of reform. They want to save a lot of money. Um, and we've suggested some clear ways they could do that. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't, that's really fallen on deaf ears at this point. Um, and sitting behind the negotiating teams we're dealing with is the government. So we want to get people together and try and hash out a deal that's fair to everyone, fair to the taxpayer, fair to our members, 
and fear for what needs to be done to keep the railways going. And in terms of what strike action you're prepared to take, I mean, presumably mm. you've got a menu of what you could do um, for yeah. a sort of fairly mild action to mm. absolutely shut, shutting everything down. I mean, what, yeah. what sort of what, what sort of menu can you tell us about? Well, there is a difficulty in this, and that's the, the trade union legislation within which we work makes it almost impossible now to take milder forms of action. For example, um, some forms of work to rule, a particular strike action that's not walking off the job. Mm. Um, if you do try that, you tend to get legally challenged almost immediately. And if you don't, you tend to find the employer will not pay your members for their day's work because they will regard it as strike action. So they push you into a position then where, well, if you're not going to get paid for doing a milder form of action, you might as well stand out on the cobbles, as we say, yeah. uh, and not get paid there. So we really aren't, we don't have we don't have actually that many tricks up our sleeve. It's either strike or done. Right. Uh, in the a, lot of, a lot of writing uh, this morning is saying things like no trains after 7pm uh, or yeah. maybe before 7am. Is that a possibility? Well, those are industry plans. I've got no idea what they're based on. I think these will be based on contingency arrangements. They're looking at how they can run a skeleton service, where we to call strike action at a particular time. But honestly, people think we've got a grand plan here. We haven't. What we've done is we've heard the mandate from our members. Next week, if we can't get any kind of movement in terms of at least starting the process of getting people together, we we will have to consider at that point what strike action uh, we name, but that we based on conversations with our members. We're a democratic organisation, but there's no grand plan at this point. We've heard the mandate. We want to have some talks. We think there's a possibility to do a deal, but we really do need to focus people's minds on that because we've been trying this now in talks for more than a year, and we haven't really got anywhere at all. And our members, uh, they finally uh, lost lost their patience with that, and they're demanding that we do something yeah. about it. And what about the public? Um, do you care about them? Absolutely. I mean, you speak to railway workers, they're, they're really proud to serve the public and run the railway. They really like looking after people. Uh, but we think people will, in general, will probably get, look, everyone's feeling the pinch now. The cost of living crisis is biting. Um, we've been through a really difficult period. And we think more broadly, the government's going to have to come to some compromise where they try to help people. We're really looking at some dire times now if their wages aren't improved and the cost of living isn't addressed. Okay. Eddie, appreciate your time. Thanks very much indeed. Eddie Dempsey, the Senior Assistant General Secretary at the RMT. I must admit, uh, the difference between the 70s and now uh, is that the people representing the unions are a lot more articulate. Uh, They're a lot more, um, shall we say, um, sensible. uh, And they make much better points. It used to be, all out, brothers, back then. And then they were all out, brothers. It might turn out, though, that the slick image isn't quite exactly that much different from what they plan to do. Because if they do go out on all-out strike, the RMT could, in fact, cripple the nation. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would want to see that. So let us hope the government sorts it out and soon. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 